You are listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. All right. Good morning again. So good to have you here. All right. Well, you can see it is Christmas at Rail City. There are Christmas trees. We had an Advent reading. We even sang a Christmas song. Uh, and, uh, and I'll be honest, a little hard for me, a little hard for me. I am, for many years now, I have been the type of person who said, listen, we, we can't start celebrating Christmas until December 1st, okay? And, and so much so, we used to do this thing called Nog's Eve. So on November 31st, at literally at midnight, we, all of a sudden Christmas would begin. We'd have people over at our house. Uh, you know, the Christmas tree would be there, but it wouldn't be on. Uh, and before midnight, we would have a time of confession. It's like, in, in which ways have we participated in Christmas before this moment? And it was like, you know, like almost like an AA meeting, right? Or like, a, hi, my name's Cam. Hi, Cam, right? Ah, uh, you know, this week I, listen, I watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and I drank a gingerbread latte. And, uh, and then we, you know, and then we'd be like, you're forgiven, right? Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> and it was a really funny thing. But now that I'm like a campus pastor on Sunday, like my hand is kind of forced. Like Christmas starts on Advent, <laughs> which happens to be November 27th this year. And so I've decided, I've amended my rule that now on Advent Sunday, Christmas has begun, okay? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so therefore, Merry Christmas. So good to have you here. We are starting a brand new series for the next couple weeks for Advent called Angels We Have Heard angels we have heard. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the angelic appearances to keep many of us believe these stories to be true. We believe in angels. I know. (laughs) In 2022, we do. And although we don't see their involvement in our day-to-day life, we do believe there are heavenly angelic beings of another realm, potentially another dimension, that sometimes enter in on God's behalf. In fact, angels have a number of different roles within the scripture. There's three I want to share with us this morning. The first is this, uh, is that we see that angels are servants of God. And we can put up that slide. I believe it's the next one. Uh, Angels are servants of God. uh, And uh, and what we see is that they help and they serve God. They they come alongside him in the work that he is doing. Uh, They help to accomplish his ends and his goals. Uh, And and there's another uh, thing you can also see is that they minister to Jesus. Do you remember this when Jesus following the temptation uh, and he's, he's very weak and faint from 40 days and 40 nights in the desert without food. Uh, and, uh, and so the angels come and they actually minister to him. They take care of him. The second thing is this, is that angels help the people of God. Acts chapter 12, two weeks ago on Sunday, we talked about this very idea. How angels actually arrive on the scene while Peter is in prison and they deliver him from prison. Uh, and so it, they, they actually come alongside and they help the people of God, which is really interesting. We also learned in that text that angels strike down people who don't give glory to God. We won't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> Thirdly, angels share messages on behalf of God. 
And that is primarily what we see happening in the Christmas story. Uh, is that they come, and they come as messengers on behalf of God to share uh, the words of God, the thoughts of God, the vision of God with human beings to give them direction, to give them hope, uh, and and to help them know what is coming in the future. And that's what we're going to see in today's story, the story of Zechariah. And so, if you're willing and able... Uh, can you stand with us as we read, read this story today? We believe these words are so important. That is why we stand. Uh, and uh, we're going to read from Luke chapter 1. And this is narrative, so it's going to be quite a bit of reading, okay? But it's a story, all right? So it's good. Let's, let's read together. Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 5. Here's what it says. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of God's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. And as was custom of the priests, He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. And while the incense were being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying for him. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed, as you would be, (laughs) and, and with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son. You are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord, their God. He will be a man and and filled with the Spirit. He will prepare uh, the people for the coming of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm, old, I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. It's a good way of putting that, Zechariah. Um, <laughs> then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring this good news. But now, since you don't believe what I said, you will be silent And unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Jesus, this is your word. God, I pray that you would speak to us today. Through this angel and Gabriel who we have heard from. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So here's what we see. Is that Zechariah who is a priest. He is in the temple. He has and this, this angel, Gabriel, appear to him. 
He's terrified. (laughs) The angel speaks some words over him, but because of his doubt, he is unable to speak. One of the interesting themes that we see that comes up in all of the Christmas stories that we're going to talk about is this. It's what the angels say in response to the people. Of course, as a human being, if an angel shows up in front of you, you are terrified, right? I think we can all agree Zachariah is not weird or strange or anything like that. If an angel's in front of you, you're afraid. Of course you're going to be, right? But they often say time and time again, their first response to those who they appear to is this. Can you remember what it is? Don't be afraid. If we can turn down the echo on this thing a little bit, it'd be great. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This is the, the common theme that keeps happening time and time again throughout this story. And I believe in a world which gives us so much reason to be afraid, these words are so key. They're so important for us. You do not have to be afraid. We as the people of God do not have to fear. And I realize it's easier said than done to not be fearful. But this text today gives us some insurance. It gives us some reasons why we do not have to be afraid. Why we do not have to be fearful of tomorrow and what is to come. The first fear that we see is this. It's it's the fear that God doesn't hear us. And I want to reassure us this. Don't be afraid you are heard by God. Don't be afraid you are heard by God. Uh, Look, look, the very first thing that Gabriel says to Zechariah is this. And I would assume uh, that that Zechariah maybe was fearful that God wasn't listening to him anymore. And he says, God, he says, Zechariah, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer. God has heard your prayer. You can see it there on that line. God has heard your prayer for we who are fearful this Christmas. I want to remind us that God hears us. He is not far from us. He is close enough to hear the prayers that you whisper under your breath. Open that bill or that letter from the bank. (laughs) He hears your prayer. He hears us. And Gabriel reassures Zechariah of this fact. He says, God has heard your prayer, Zechariah. You see, Zechariah had been praying for a child, for a son. and, and, And God says, listen, I've heard you. And I will give you a son. God heard him. And he probably heard the prayers of Elizabeth as well. And he hears your prayers. I think of 1 John chapter 5 verse 14. Where it says this. It says this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will. He hears us. He hears us. He says that we can have confidence going before God that when we ask things that are in line with his heart, in line with his will, that he hears us. And I want you to know that this is not just true for high priests like Zechariah or like, you know, underling priests like me. <laughs> Never called myself a priest before. I don't, I'm not sure if I can. <laughs> is Thomas here? He's an ex-Catholic. He can let us know. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> He doesn't just hear 
special, anointed, and set-apart people. This is true for all people. This is the confidence we have in approaching God in prayer, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And this is what the angel reassures Zechariah of. God has heard your prayer. His ear is open to you. He hasn't shut you out. He is listening, and I want to remind us of that reality here today. In fearful times, God hears us. He does. He certainly does. He says, don't be afraid. God has heard you. Secondly, we don't have to be afraid of shame. And um, this one's just for free. I don't even have a slide for it. But I'm just thinking about it now. Elizabeth was feeling shame. She was feeling shame because in a culture, now keep this in mind, it's a very different time and place, but in a culture where her primary role in her family and in society is to have children, to raise them, and to take care of the home, she's unable to do that. Some of you might be experiencing shame right now. And God does not like to leave us in places of shame. He likes to bring us into places of freedom. And in this experience here, what we see is this, is that God delivers Elizabeth from her shame. He provides for her a child. God has heard her, her cry. God, would you help her? God, would you help me? And would you give us a son, even though I'm of old age? God lifts her shame. Now, here's the third Fear that maybe Zachariah might have been experiencing is this. Will God deliver us? Will God rescue us? Will God free us? Now, Zachariah is thinking about this in a political sense. He's wondering and he's asking God, God, will you provide a Messiah, the anointed one, the king of Israel, the one who will deliver us from the power of Rome? The one who will get us out from under the foot of some other nation or some other leader or ruler. God, will, will that person ever come? We've been waiting for thousands of years. And so he's thinking about this in a political sense. And the angel reassures him and says, no, do not worry. Your son, your son John will prepare the way of the Lord. Your son John will, will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the father their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. He will, he will prepare. He will point towards the one who is coming. The one who you've been longing for. The one that you've been praying for. God has heard your prayer. It says, don't be afraid. Why? Because God will rescue us. God will rescue us. And later on, we see the one in whom John, the son of Zechariah, he's John the Baptist, by the way, if you didn't put that together. He's the one in the chosen who they call like wacky John or crazy John, right? That guy, okay? Locusts and wearing odd clothing. Could probably use our thrift store. Uh, And... uh, (laughs) says, John is going to point towards the son, the one whom will rescue us. So then Zechariah goes quiet, right? He goes mute for a season in light of his disbelief. 
And then upon the arrival of his son at the circumcision ceremony, after saying his name will be John, all of a sudden Zachariah's lips are opened. And what does he do? He begins to prophesy about whom this, who is this one who my son will point to. And I believe that his prophecy, and I want to read it for us here today, it actually combats a number of other fears that we might be experiencing. And it's why we can have hope this Christmas. Let me read it for us in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 67. Here's what it says. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior, the one who will rescue us from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now he, now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We've been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, he's speaking this over John, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Because you will prepare the way of the Lord, just as the angel said. You will tell his people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And to guide us to the path of peace. You see, John prophesies and his prophecy begins to speak to some of the fears we may experience. We've, we've looked at some of the fears that Zachariah may have had, but now his prophecy speaks to our fears. And I think we too, like Zachariah, fear, will God rescue us? Will God rescue us? Will he truly rescue us from our enemies? Zechariah, through his prophecy, says this, yes. He has sent a mighty Savior. He has sent a mighty Savior. Some of your translations might say, he has sent the horn of salvation. Now, some of you are wondering, wow, is Cam, after his trip to Israel here, he's gotten very, very, you know, into the Jewish stuff. He's put a horn on his pulpit during his sermon. No, this is an illustration for us today. Uh, I actually borrowed this from Pastor Mark. This is called a shofar. He says he is the, the armies of God, the armies of Israel, they would use it to uh, different commands and different calls to tell them what to do when they're on the battlefield. But they would also blow into the horn of salvation, the shofar, to declare their victory over their enemy. Now, Pastor Mark begged me not to actually blow into this. He said, listen, you can borrow it, okay, but please don't blow it because if you do, it's going to build up bacteria inside of the shofar and this whole thing. And I said, and because I really love him and honor him, I'm not going to do it, okay? I'll fake it, all right? But this is what they were talking about. I know it's very disappointing of me that I'm not rebelling in this moment here, but says he has sent us a horn 
of salvation. He has sent us victory. Victory over our enemies. Victory. In the same way that when we would declare victory over our enemies, we would blow this horn, that sound, it has gone out. Can you hear it? He has sent a mighty Savior, one who will deliver us from our enemies. Do you need deliverance from an enemy? <laughs> Metaphorically, maybe literally, I'm not sure. But here's the promise of Christmas is this, is that we have received victory in Jesus Christ. We have received deliverance from enemies. What enemies? Satan, sin, death. God has delivered us through this one whom John pointed to. Here's the, the, uh, the third fear that you might have. The fear that God will not keep his promise. But he says, don't be afraid. God keeps his promises. Right? L look at the prophecy here. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his pro holy prophets long ago. You see, we follow a God who keeps his promises. The promise that he made that the, the mighty Savior would come from the line of David. The promise he made to Abraham that, he, that the people of Israel would be a blessing to the entire world. God keeps his promises. And we see it here in this text. Through the prophecy of Zechariah, he says that God will keep his promise. But some of you are still wondering, was well, he going to keep his promise to me? He will keep his promise. I said this last week at the service. I said, the best indicator of the future is looking back to the past. The best indicator of our future, the future that God has for us, is by looking back at what God has done in the past. And this moment, this text, today as we read it, it is a reminder. It is a reminder of how we follow a God who keeps his promises. He said that the Savior would come through the line of David, and he did. He said that, that the people of Israel would be a blessing to the entire world, and they were, and they continually are, in and through us as, our, as their spiritual ancestors. We follow a God who keeps his promises, and this is why it's important for us to write down when God comes through for us. Because time and time again, we so easily forget don't we? In moments of dread, in moments of fear, in moments where it just feels like, oh man, what are we going to do? Oh God, where are you? God, are you going to keep your promise to me? We remind ourselves in those moments of how God has come through for us in the past because the best indicator of the future is by looking back at what God has done. And we know that our God is a God who keeps his promises. Why? We see it in scripture time and time again. But if we are honest, we have seen it in our lives lives as well. And I need reminding of this sometimes, friends. I truly do. I think of the very first thing we talked about, the fact that God hears us. I need to remind myself that God does hear us. Uh, in recent weeks, there's been a number of moments where there's just these small things where I see God coming through for our church, where I see God coming through for me. And I literally say out loud, God has heard my prayer. God has kept his promise. 
And, and, uh, and my daughter heard me saying this. And so it's so funny. She, I heard her say it the other day. God has heard our prayers. It's like, and I was like, that's really cool. I'm glad she's seeing me model, remembering, remembering that God is faithful to keep his promise. And I want to remind you, and I want you to take a moment even just to consider and think, how has God come through for me in the past? He will come through for me in this moment. It might not always be in my timing, but it will be in his. We follow a God who keeps his promise. Here's another, uh, another promise that he has for us and maybe a fear that you might have. Some of us are experiencing the fear of the power of sin over our lives. And we have a fear that perhaps we won't be forgiven. I want to remind us this morning this, don't be afraid. There is forgiveness in Jesus. Don't be afraid. I've walked alongside many of you in these last months and some of you years. And I've seen time and time again as some of you have felt experiences of feeling unworthy or maybe fears that God is angry or fear that this latest thing that you have done is unforgivable. Friends, today's text reminds us do not be afraid. There is forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Do not be afraid. You can be forgiven. You can be restored. You can be renewed. Zechariah says these words, and you, John, speaking this over his baby son, will tell people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. How? By pointing to Jesus. By pointing to Jesus. And John did this very thing. He pointed to Jesus. And in Jesus, this baby who came at Christmas, there is a reminder that he is a forgiver. That he can forgive your darkest confidences and your worst errors. Don't be afraid, my friends. There is forgiveness. And we can have confidence as we stand before God one day as we all will, that upon profession of faith, upon profession of the name of Jesus Christ and his account and not ours, that we will be declared forgiven, that we will be declared renewed. It says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says in another place, it says if you confess your sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. In another place, in John chapter, uh, sorry, James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, if you confess your sins to one another, God will forgive you and you will be healed. This is the promise of Scripture. Do not be afraid. You are forgiven. Whether your sin is big this morning, it's huge. It's a skeleton in the closet. Or whether it is small, I want to remind us that at Christmas we remember that there is forgiveness. We do not have to fear. The world has felt so dark for the last few years, hasn't it? I resonate with this text. It sometimes feels like we sit in the shadow of death. There's been atrocious and horrible things that have taken place in our lives and crimes committed all over the world. There's wars and rumors of wars. 
There's pandemics and shadow pandemics. Divorce is at an all-time high. Alcohol abuse, drug overdose, crippling loneliness, suicide, natural disasters, racial injustice. It is just on display. And if you feel like you sit in the shadow of darkness right now, I do not blame you. The world is feeling incredibly dark. But this text and this prophecy of Zechariah, he says, don't be afraid. The light has come. The light has come at Christmas. He says, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. What a powerful statement and promise for us in 2022. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. It has given light to us who sit in darkness. Yes, things are dark, but Jesus, the light of the world, has come. And he is shining light into dark places and impossible situations. I personally, I, I often, I really love the illustration of Jesus' light. I, I've referred to it many times in the years that have gone by. I sometimes think of Jesus in a sense, he's a nightlight that gives us comfort. Last night my daughter woke up, she's crying out for me. And uh, I came into her room and I said, what's wrong? And she said, oh, I'm afraid. I said, why are you afraid? It's dark. We've got this little sound machine thing and it's a light. I said, hey, I'll turn the light on for you. I turned on the light and she said, I can see you, Dad. I said, I can see you. There's something about light. It just, it removes our fear. Jesus is the light of the world. He has come to remove our fear and cast light in the darkness so that we can say, I see you, Dad. <laughs> I see you, Father. I can see what you're doing, and I won't be afraid. I won't be afraid. Jesus promised in John chapter 8, Verse 12, he said, I am the light of the world. And if anyone follows me, they will no longer have to walk in darkness because they will have the light that leads to life. This is the promise for us at Christmas. The light has come. And our final fear in conclusion, I think some of us are deeply afraid that we will not find peace. We've been walking in just anxiety, and fear, and despair. And we're fearful. Will I ever find peace? Don't be afraid. There is a path to peace. I sense humanity longing, desperately desiring to find peace. The word here, shalom. Right relationship with God, right relationship with one another, all things to be restored and renewed. That's what that word means. And this text reminds us that we have a guide to the path of peace. 
that Jesus is the path to peace. And we're told elsewhere that he is the prince of peace. But even though that's true, I find myself at times chasing after other paths to peace. And if you're honest, you probably find yourself chasing after other paths to peace. But they haven't led to peace, have they? We live in the most anxious generation of all time. I can't say that for sure, but man, does it seem true, doesn't it? And we chase after other paths. Some of us chase after financial stability. Some of us chase after relationships. Some of us chase after securing that job, living in that city, having that home. Some of us try to find peace through numbing the pain, through substances, through entertainment, through mindless scrolling. And if I'm honest, I often at times catch myself chasing after these other paths. Well, maybe if this leader gets in power, if if only this politician wins, if only this council is voted in, maybe there'll be peace. If only I find this, maybe I'll find peace. This text, and you're, 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 you're chasing after it. This text reminds us and it says, don't be afraid, there is a path to peace, but it's probably not where you're looking. It is found in a person and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. It says that he is the path to peace. And so for those of us who are looking for peace, we can fear no more. There is a path to peace and his name is Jesus. If we would just look to him, if we would just trust in him, if we would just put our hope in him, we would find peace, this text promises us. And not a fleeting peace, but a peace that will last. A peace that will put our souls at ease. A peace that even though the world is so dark and so challenging and so hard, that we can still breathe. Have you looked to the the path of peace found in Jesus? If you haven't, I encourage you to do so this morning. To look to him and him alone. Here's the good news, and we'll share this every week for the next number of weeks. The God-man, Jesus Christ, has come. The ancient prophetic words are true. God still keeps his promises. And so we, like Zechariah, can declare at the beginning of this text, what does he say? Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. Amen? I'm going to invite up the band. I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning. And I thank you for this angel that we have heard from who reassured Zachariah that he doesn't have to be afraid. And through Zachariah, you've spoke to us this morning as well that we do not have to be afraid because you, God, have sent a mighty Savior. You, God, keep your promises. You, God, will come through for us in the darkness. You, God, are the light of the world. You, God, and I pray 
that you would give them to us and we'd believe them to be true. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Amen. Hey, well, at this time, we're going to come to the table as a response that we have put our trust in Jesus as you step forward, step in confidence. God loves you. He died for you. And he wants to restore you. He did that through the cross. Come to the table when you're ready. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.